and welcome. UVA Speaks is a podcast of Lifetime Learning, a division of the Office of Engagement at the University of Virginia. Lifetime Learning brings the knowledge and expertise of UVA's faculty to the university's alumni, friends, and families. My name is Susan Lynch, and I am the Associate Director of Lifetime Learning at the University of Virginia's Office of Engagement. This podcast features Jennifer Payne, a medical doctor and professor and vice chair of research in the Department of Psychiatry and Neurobehavioral Sciences in the School of Medicine at the University of Virginia Health System. Dr. Payne is an expert in reproductive psychiatry. She helps people who experience a psychiatric illness that is influenced by times of reproductive hormonal change. This can include premenstruation, pregnancy, and after pregnancy, and perimenopause. In this podcast, Dr. Payne will talk with us about mental health issues for those facing perimenopause. So thank you, Dr. Payne, for speaking with me today. Thank you for having me. So first, um, can you start with explaining what perimenopause is? That, that's a, a really great question. Um, people sometimes talk about uh, perimenopause, but they often talk about menopause. Um, and, and they'll say, I'm going through the change or I'm going through menopause. And in reality, they're going through what we call perimenopause. So perimenopause is the time leading up to menopause. Menopause is actually only one day in a woman's life, believe it or not. Um, and it is the day that marks when she has stopped menstruating for one year. Um, after menopause, she becomes postmenopausal. So the, the years leading up to menopause are what we call perimenopause. And it is marked by a whole host of um, of medical and physical and mental health uh, changes that women go through as their periods slowly um, become irregular and eventually stop. So is there an increased risk of developing depression during perimenopause? There is. Um, and this was quite a controversial um, uh, topic for a number of years, uh, but studies are really pretty definitively showing that there's an increased risk for the development of a new uh, major depressive disorder during perimenopause. And we also know that it's a risky time period for women with pre-existing mood disorders. So for women with major depression or bipolar disorder, the risk of becoming psychiatrically ill is increased during perimenopause. So why do these hormonal fluctuations cause depression in some women? That is a great question. And that is exactly what uh, my research is really trying to ferret out. Um, and we don't know the answer to that. What we do know is that the hormonal fluctuations are normal. It is not that women who are sensitive to times of hormonal change have different levels of hormones. Um, I have a number of patients who come to me and say, can you test my hormones and, um, and see what's wrong? Um, there's nothing wrong with the hormones themselves. What we think is going on is that there's a different brain response to the hormonal fluctuations in a group of susceptible women. Now, what that constitutes biologically or chemically, we're trying to work out. Um, but we do know that there's a subgroup of women who appear to be differentially sensitive to times of hormonal change. So are there other triggers um, for depression during perimenopause? 
Absolutely. So uh, perimenopause, of course, can last years. It can even last up to a decade. Um, and it marks a, a time in a woman's life that is usually full of change. Um, so uh, perimenopause is a time when uh, women are going through their children leaving home. They often are dealing with aging parents. They may be dealing with changes in uh, work or career goals. Um, they're dealing with aging um, and aches and pains and, and getting older and getting gray hair. So there are a lot of psychosocial risk factors for depression that are occurring at the same time uh, that women are undergoing these hormonal changes. And so how, how do you treat uh, perimenopausal depression? This is also a great question. Um, we, we treat perimenopausal depression like we would any other depression, um, but sometimes with a different focus. Um, so <clears throat> almost any antidepressant can be helpful for uh, perimenopausal depression. Um, and we would choose an antidepressant based on a woman's history if she's had a previous history of major depression for example. Um, there is a little evidence that SSRIs or selected serotonin reuptake inhibitors may be superior to other types of antidepressants, but we don't limit ourselves to SSRIs. Um, in addition, um, studies show that when, <clears throat> excuse me, someone is suffering from a depressive disorder, that combining medication with therapy is really important. And as we noted, there are a lot of psychosocial risk factors that occur uh, during perimenopause, and those can be um, helped with therapy. Um, and there are all different kinds of therapy that can be helpful, but one that is particularly helpful is called cognitive behavioral therapy. And, and that is a therapy that helps um, uh, people change how they're thinking about particular situations. Now, in perimenopausal depression, occasionally we will um, try to use hormonal treatments as well. Um, we know that during perimenopause, a treatment with estrogen and a hormone replacement can be helpful um, for mood disorders during that time period. What's interesting is once a woman meets criteria for menopause and passes into the postmenopausal time period, estrogen is no longer helpful for, for mood disorders. Um, so only during that perimenopausal time period will we consider using hormonal treatments. But as a psychiatrist, I always approach treatment um, with an antidepressant before I get to hormonal treatments because there are other risk factors associated with hormonal treatments. Yeah, I think that's often a, a common question, the hormonal replacement and the estrogen and how that can help. And so can you speak a little bit more about what those concerns are um, around hormone replacement? Sure. So um, there are potential long-term risks, and including a potential increased risk of breast cancer with hormonal treatments. More acutely, though, particularly if a woman has... Um, a history of high blood pressure or blood clots, or she smokes, um, the acute risk can be forming blood clots, um, increasing blood pressure, et cetera. And so um, you can actually increase a woman's risk of having a medical complication if you use hormonal treatments. So I personally think it's safer to go the antidepressant route first. And then if, if we're having treatment resistance, think about hormonal treatments later. Gotcha. Um, can women have other types of mood disorders or 
or symptoms during the perimenopausal time? Absolutely. So a lot of women experience the onset of anxiety disorders during perimenopause. Um, I will tell you a, a personal experience of mine. As I entered perimenopause, you start to have hot flashes, um, and particularly at night. And I remember fairly early on, I woke up and I was sweating profusely, and I realized I was very tachycardic. And, um, and I thought, hmm, if I was anxious, this would make me anxious. And it gave me an insight into why women have an increased risk of the development of anxiety disorders during perimenopause. You're going through a lot of physical sensations that can induce anxiety in a, in a susceptible woman. In addition, women with other types of psychiatric disorders, so for example, bipolar disorder, um, can destabilize during the perimenopausal time period. I've had several patients with bipolar disorder who were literally stable for decades um, with medication um, and treatment. And when they hit perimenopause, boy, it was it was really tough keeping them out of the hospital um, because they had a really hard time managing their root disorder during that time period. Um, and I think it's just that there are really significant hormonal changes that can trigger mood symptoms um, in susceptible women. So yes, there can definitely be other types of psychiatric disorders that get triggered during this time period. Yeah, these are big, new things that are happening, right, to our bodies, and we're not really yeah. sure what it's all about. <laughs> exactly. You know, I don't think we talk about it enough. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, and finally, are, are there other things that women can do or take for perimenopausal symptoms? Absolutely. So. Um, all the healthy stuff that you've ever been recommended can be helpful uh, during perimenopause. So regular exercise, stress reduction techniques, so meditation, yoga, um, just taking a walk around the block, all of that can be really helpful for perimenopausal physical symptoms as well as mental health symptoms. Um, I also think eating a healthy diet um, and, you know, making sure that you're not overindulging in things like alcohol and sweets um, can also be helpful. Um, there are um, other uh, herbal remedies that have been recommended. I will say that they have not been well tested in a way that um, I would say, oh, you should definitely try this. But a lot of women find that they benefit from um, things like black cohosh, for example, is available over the counter. Um, a lot of women find that eating more soy is helpful, particularly for hot flashes. Um, and um, and then there's always there's there's some evidence that calcium can be helpful for premenstrual mood symptoms, which are related to perimenopausal symptoms. And so, although we don't have a study specifically looking at calcium use in women with perimenopausal depression. It might be worth it to um, think about taking a calcium supplement. Okay, great. And I think also, um, as we were saying, it's just a topic that's not spoken about much. So if we can all talk with one another, share our experiences with one another, I know that that has helped for me uh, talking with my friends and family uh, about what I'm experiencing, about, about what they're experiencing helps to um, for me to understand what I'm going through as well. Yeah, I think it really helps when um, 
people feel like they're not alone in, a, in an experience. Um, and kind of like uh, when women go through getting pregnant for the first time, if they have other friends who are pregnant or who have been pregnant, it's very helpful for them to talk to their friends, um, to get support and to recognize that they are not unique in their experience. Um, and for some reason, I think there's been a taboo about talking about perimenopausal uh, physical symptoms, much less mental health symptoms. And the more we talk about it and the more we normalize it, um, I think the better for everybody. I absolutely agree. Absolutely. So uh, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Payne. And so part of our conversation is to, today is to bring some of those issues up and and to share your work. So I really appreciate you taking time with us today. You know, as I said, this is a topic that in, that has impact, impacted me, my family, my friends. And so I appreciate you sharing your knowledge and expertise uh, with UVA's alumni, friends, and families as well. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening for upcoming podcasts and other lifetime learning programming, recordings, and blogs. Please visit our website at engagement.virginia.edu forward slash learn. You can also find our podcasts on Spotify and with the Virginia Audio Collective, which is a network of UVA podcasts hosted by WTJU Radio and can be found at virginiaaudio.org. So thanks again, and we look forward to taking part in future lifetime learning programs.